Hey everybody, it's your favorite reconstructionist, Eric Brown of Phil Relly, and welcome to episode number three of the one and only show bringing you tips and tricks to working vehicle collision cases from the best experts in the industry every Wednesday. Today's topic is stay in your lane. So grab your expert angle coffee mug and settle in three, two, one, off we go. Every year, traffic crashes claim the lives of over a million people and account for over $500 billion of injuries around the world. A small select group of people from police to attorneys to expert investigators are tasked with getting justice for the victims, protecting the rights of involved parties, and ensuring the story is told accurately and honestly. Unfortunately, we believe that is an impossible task without the right team of experts. If you agree, then keep on listening for actionable tips from leading experts across various industries that you can start taking today to elevate your professional game. If you disagree, then tune in anyway and let us convince you with our ideas. We are Eric Brown and Phil Rally, and this is Crash Tech, the expert angle. Welcome back to the show, guys. Crash Tech, the expert angle podcast is brought to you by Crash Tech Reconstruction Services. If you have an accident that you need answers for or you think the other side has it wrong, Crash Tech can help. Connect with us at www.crashtechreconstruction.com to submit your case for a free review. Phil, welcome back, man. Episode number three. We are in it for the uh, long haul. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so today's episode, man, I think this is a, this is a fun one. So we, uh, we, we did title this one, Stay in Your Lane. And originally, I was going to do it with Get Out of My Lane. But I, think we settled on, uh, I think we settled on Stay in Your Lane. And this, yep. is, a, this is a topic kind of near and dear to us, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So this is a little spoiler alert. This is actually the subject of uh, our book that's coming out. And this is also one of the topics that uh, we speak on at some of these attorney conferences and things like that. So this is kind of a topic near and dear to our heart because I think, tell me if I'm wrong. I think there's a lot of confusion. Did you just say I'm wrong? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no doctor now <laughs> You're like, this is get out of the way in the last episode we talked about getting out in front of uh bad bad yeah so let's get out in front of it yeah um, <laughs> uh but no so i think there is a lot of confusion in the uh realm of of personal injury cases there's a lot of confusion as to what some of these different experts do and so let me ask you this. Is there one expert that could do it all besides me? Besides you? I don't yes. believe so. No. no? Yeah. No, and, uh, so. and so again, I think, I think this episode is going to generate more hate mail than any other episode that we do. Who can we direct that hate mail towards? Because my inbox is getting full. Yeah. Yours has got to be full. Yeah. Mostly I, for me. Who's, so. our, who's our lowest employee here at Crash Tech that we can <laughs> Actually, you know what? Send the hate mail to our business attorney. <laughs> All correspondence. Click. Wait yeah. a minute, someone jumped off. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> just big mailbags, just dump it on his desk. So, uh, but no, we, so we wanted to dive into this, into this stay in your lane, because not, there, there's no one expert out there that can do everything. Now, there are some double threats. Don't get me wrong. Okay. But so we're going to define a couple of these experts to get rolling. And then that way we can talk about their uh, differences and and some, in some cases, similarities. And so if you're watching the show, just so you know, this is not meant to bash anybody. Mm -mm. Okay. Don't feel like we're being unfair on everybody because I'm telling you right up, right up front. 
every single one of these experts that are practicing in traffic crash field um, have their place. And we need all of them. And they're all equally important. There is not one out there that's more important than the other. So I am telling you that right now, that is our official stance and official opinion. We need all of these experts. Everybody has their place and we are all equally important. So again, don't take anything that we're going to say after this as bashing. It's not. It's just explaining the differences because I think at the end of the day, a lot of people haven't defined these roles. And so there's, there's four main experts that I want to take a look at here. All right. And, and so we're just going to kind of explain to you guys what they are and, and, and things like that. And then we're just going to use a common term, but just know that we're going to use this common term and this is who we're going to be talking about. So the first one is reconstructionists. Okay. That's going to be our first people that we talk about. Now, reconstructionists typically for our purposes of this show are going to be certified and accredited reconstructionists that come from a background in law enforcement. So we're talking about the people that have been out there on live crash scenes and have done this as their full-time job for years and years and years. Okay. Fair enough. Our next group is going to be engineers. Now understand there are two types of engineers. Okay. There are going to be engineers that uh, have gone on to get their reconstruction certificate. And there are going to be engineers that have not. Okay. That just stopped at their degree and that's it. So when we say engineers, we're going to be talking about both. We're going to lump them all together. Um, but uh, if, if we get into some specifics, we may clarify between them. Okay. Uh, and then lastly, our other two experts that we want to lump in here, and then we probably won't talk about them again. We may hit a little bit on their specifics are biomechanic engineers, which is an offshoot of engineering. So that's why we're going to lump them in with engineers. Biomechanic engineers are all engineers, okay? They've gone to massive amounts of schooling to be specific in their field. Kind of along the same lines of them, they, they equally get confused with biomechanics engineers are, are kinematics experts, occupant kinematics experts, okay? They are not biomechanic engineers, okay? Most kinematic experts are going to be reconstructionists that have done additional training to learn how the body moves during crashes and things like that. But they are totally different than a biomechanics expert. So if we're talking about kinematics, we're going to lump them in with reconstructionists because typically that's where they come from. Fair enough. Fair enough. <clears throat> All right. So let's talk a little bit about reconstructionists. Phil, what is a reconstructionist for the, if you're the attorneys that don't know, so don't go into some big long dissertation. Nobody wants to hear it. All right. But uh, you know, explain to us in layman's term a little bit. What, what is a reconstructionist? It's just going to be someone who's going to take a scientific approach to analyzing crashes at a much deeper level than what your first responding officer, sheriff's deputy or trooper is going to. Um, it, it's as a result of extensive training and, and uh, continuing education and so on. But uh, it's, a, it's a deeper look into um, the causation of a collision, including, you know, looking at much more the contributing circumstances, which may be one or 100 different contributing circumstances and how that plays on every segment of that crash as it, as it played out. Yeah, absolutely. And so 
What would you say? And so understand there are some double threats out here. There are police officers who are reconstructionists who have gone on to get their engineering degree. Okay. Sure. But for, for all intents and purposes of this show today, we're going to lump them in with reconstructionists because they have a background of being on live crashes. So they're going to, they're going to fit into the reconstruction field. Okay. Right. Whereas when we talk about engineers, regardless of whether they've had reconstruction training or not, if they haven't come from a law enforcement background, and there may be some, there may be some engineers out there that do come from a a law enforcement background, but it's going to be relatively few and far in between. Okay. Um, But just understand when when we're talking about engineers, we're talking about people that come from a school setting, they're extremely knowledgeable, have their degrees, but have never actually been on a real crash scene. So does that make a big difference? What do you think? Thoughts? Personally, I think it makes a huge difference. Um, I, I agree. I agree. It uh, w- w- when you're looking at the scene, you, you as a law enforcement officer, you have that first vantage point. Um, you know, you're you're in a live scene where the smoke may still be rolling and the fluids may still be trickling, and so on. So you're interpreting the evidence as it's hap- as it happened. It, it's it's right there. It's right now. There's no chance that um, the car looks differently or is positioned differently, you know, three months from now. When, when if, you, if you weren't on that scene, you might have a different opinion on how that car looks, appears, so on and so on and so on. Um, but you're there while it's happening. It's live, you know, and, and it, all your senses are in play at that point. Mm-hmm. You know, your smell, this, you know, your sense of smell, I mean – Car crashes have a unique smell, and depending on the uniqueness of your crash, it might have a really interesting smell. But feel, I mean, you literally walk up, touch the feel. You can, I couldn't tell you how many times I've been on a scene and, and uh, have looked at a tire mark shortly after arriving. And I'm wondering, man, is this from this car coming into the crash? And reach down and put my hand on the mark, mm-hmm. and you can feel the heat from the rubber and you can feel, you know, the, the rubber actually transferring to your hand where you can roll it in your, in your, in your fingertips. Well, I was going to say, and, and so I, I don't know about the people listening to this. And if you come from a big city, you probably have no experience with this. Uh, but I came from a, a little poorer of a town. And so our, you know, nice fun things that we did in high school on the weekends late at night was go out and do burnouts. And you could actually collect that smoking rubber off the road and make mm-hmm. it into like a little bouncy ball. Yeah. And uh, so it was, it was pretty neat, but yeah, so absolutely. You can, you can feel that. So would it be fair to say then, and here's kind of the way I always think of it as a reconstructionist, you become because of the, the thousands of crashes, the live crashes that you go to, you become an expert really at locating the evidence. And then once you locate it of interpreting the evidence, what left it, what caused it, things like that. Sure. And and so let me ask you this, because me and you both have have done this. So we've both been to actual crash tests, right? Where we smash cars up and things like that. Yep. Is that any replacement for being on a live accident scene? No. I I agree. I I think the evidence is nowhere even close. Nowhere close. And so really then, as as an engineer then, if you're looking at it just solely, and, and all we're talking about right now is just the the really collection and interpretation of evidence. Okay. So from an engineer's standpoint, you got to think about it this way. They've really only been in 
classroom, right? I mean, that's really where all their training is. And so if they've gone on to the reconstruction school, even after you get your degree in school, yeah, you get some live crashes, but again, they're all staged. So for the most part, where are they seeing their evidence at? In a controlled environment. Yeah. Or photographs or a Mm -hmm. video, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's the only place that they're ever being taught how to analyze evidence. And and so the locate part, how to locate evidence is really never taught because they're just handed it, right? Well, here's the tire mark. Look at these tire marks. Look at this photo mark, the the photos of these tire marks, right? Right. And and so that's really what it comes down to. So would it be- Well, let's let's look at just the tire marks just for a second. And I know this is, we talked about evidence in a previous podcast, but if I take a picture of of a tire mark on the surface of the roadway, Mm -hmm. Is that the whole mark? No, there's some of it that's not even going to be visible. In a photograph? Yeah. Yeah, because you're at the mercy of the of the quality of the photograph or of the photographic equipment, right? Yep. That'll never replace the human eye. So if I see this black mark on the roadway or two sets of black marks going into a collision event or an area of impact, when I'm on the scene, I'm backing up because I want to see what's called the shadow. Mm-hmm leading into the black mark, you know, the, the skid mark or what, what have you, or the critical speed y'all, but I want to see the shadow. Is that not part of, you know, and that's something you're only going to get by being on live scenes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because to be able to explain that then. Yeah. Because how many times have you tried to take, yeah. How many times have you tried to take that picture of that shadow? And then you take the picture and you look at it in your viewfinder on your camera and you're like, Oh, can't see it. Yeah. But you know it's there because you're looking at it. And you go into court and everybody's like, man, you're crazy. I don't see a tire mark there. And you're like, it's there. I'm telling you, it's there. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's there. I was there. <laughs> you know, but I mean, that that's the, you know, and depending on how long that shadow is, oh my gosh, can that have a huge impact on your your resultant, you know, calculation? <laughs> Absolutely. It's yeah. huge. Yeah. Yep. So let me ask you this then. So it, would it be fair to say, would you, would you think the different, the main difference to kind of set all of this up between engineers and reconstructionists is the ability to locate and interpret evidence. Absolutely. Okay. Because once we get beyond that, once the evidence is located and and interpreted, all of us are trained on the equations right now. An an engineer, don't get me wrong, is going to have far more math training than what most reconstructionists are going to have far more. I mean, they go, their math classes are crazy, right? Well, but it, but going back to what you were saying about the, the the locating and interpreting evidence, when you're on a live scene, what's your limitations on locating evidence? It's whatever your eyes can see. Right. Right. So you can go yeah. far, as far back as you need to to locate that piece of evidence. Where on the engineering side, and again, I'm not, not picking on the engineer, but if, if the engineer – has and no worry, guys, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to pick on reconstructionists here also. Don't, yeah. don't you worry. But, but, but as an engineer or anybody for that matter, that, that has never been on an actual live scene, your limitations to locate and interpret evidence is limited by the size of the picture that you're handed. Yeah. And That's how many it. times do a lot of attorneys send us PDF versions of the pictures? You don't even get the, the digital one. It's a PDF of a scanned photograph. Yeah. And it's, and that's so hard, you know, but that's your limitations. If it's a three by five picture, guess what? Your limitations are three by five. Yeah. Yep. I agree. 
And so, you know, realistically, and like I said, so once, once we collect and interpret that evidence, all of us are trained to plug the numbers into the formulas, right? Now, yeah. an, an, now don't get me wrong, an engineer could go all the way back to Newton's law, F equals MA, and can derive every formula that we use. Now, engineer, now reconstructionists are shown this in, in class, and, and we have done it, um, but, but it, it's not my specialty. I could. I mean, yeah. if you ask me to derive our formulas, I can, because I've been trained, because we're required to know where these formulas come from in order to use them. But an engineer can write their own formula. Like, they can create a formula for something that maybe, you know, hasn't been figured out yet. But the problem comes in, almost all the formulas that we use for traffic crash reconstruction are already done. They're already done right. and they're in a manual, right? The momentum formula has already been done. The energy formula has already been done. So we don't, we don't need to create our own formulas. We just need to solve them. Right. right? And we're all trained on that. We are all, but, we are all trained on Newton's laws. But if, if all the formulas are, are, are already derived, they're already in place and they're, and they're commonly accepted in the practice. So everybody's using peer reviewed, yep. peer reviewed, published and so on. And, and they are out there and we are all, singing from the same song sheet. What is it you're putting into the formula? You're putting in variables, right? Exactly. And the variables are your evidence. That you're right? interpreting. Yeah. That you're interpreting. There's therein lies the, the big difference, you know, because if I measured just for an example, if I measured 150 feet of skid mark, but the picture that was taken only shows 120 feet of the mark because that's when the, the 120 feet of it's visible clearly in a picture, but the other 30 feet is the shadow before the clearly visible mark begins. Yeah. We're, we're going to have, we're going to have entirely different, different yeah. say speeds that come out. Well, of that. And, and think about, so we just had a case settle, right? Where I had that crush case and, and I was working it on one side and engineers working on the other side. And what it came down to at the end of the day was my crush, when I looked at it and I said, okay, here, look, I, I calculated all the crush and that's consistent with what I see in real world. And what they did was compare the amount of crush to a static test conducted in a controlled environment and said, well, it doesn't match the photograph from the test. O okay, sorry, but I'm, I'm relying on real world experience that I've seen you know, in these kinds of crashes thousands of times, not, not a photograph from a static test, but right. let's, let's flip the script here because we've spent half the show, I think, and people are going to think that we're picking on engineers. So let's pick on reconstructionists. Let's pick on ourselves. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. On, on that same topic though. Okay. Let me ask you this. If an attorney called you today and said, man, Phil, you know what? I had this crash and I believe uh, you know, the front end crash, the airbags didn't deploy in the car. My driver, my client went into the steering wheel, um, the seatbelt, you know, he said he was wearing the seatbelt, but it failed to protect him. And he ate the steering wheel and put his head through the windshield. Okay. Right. Mm -hmm. Is that a case for you? It's a case for me. Yes. However, <laughs> am I going to want to, or encourage the attorney to bring in an engineer? Absolutely. Yeah. Because, because that's outside the, of our wheelhouse. Yeah, the mechanical failure or potential for the mechanical failure on the seatbelt mechanism and maybe an electronic failure on a sensor, which was supposed to tell the, the EDR, hey, you better do something real quick and push this pillow out because somebody's about to have a, you know, a redesign take place. 
that is right in an engineer's wheelhouse. I mean, 100% outside of my wheelhouse, 100%. I'm, I'm not going to, I don't have that training. So if I don't yeah. have that training and knowledge, woo, I'm not going down that path. Right. Never. Like Can you'll, we never, work you'll never read one of my reports ever that talks about a design flaw of a car. And, 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 and can, can two experts work collaboratively to, to, yes. uh, to yeah. solve? Absolutely. And we've, and we've done that. We've done that where we'll solve the speed, give that to the engineer. And the engineer says, Hey, look, according to the design of the vehicle, it should have been able to, to take this, the, the bag should have popped. It should have done this. So there's more going on. And so it's a nice collaboration when we yeah. work together, but, but don't get that confused. So just like, you know, an engineer's real specialty is not the collection and interpretation of evidence. A reconstruction specialty is not at all vehicle designs, uh, material designs, and all of these things. So, you know, if you believe that a seatbelt should have restrained your, your occupant more. That's an engineer's thing to look at that because they'll look at how far the seatbelt stretched. They'll know the strength the seatbelt's supposed to be able to, to, you know, produce. Okay. Maybe, you know, yeah, it went too far. Oh man, the bag should have popped on this. Maybe you got a sensor failure, maybe vibration inside of the vehicle caused, you know, the, a loss of control for the operator. Right. And things like that. And those are, those are things that, that reconstructionists in no way are ever trained to, to look at. And right. like I said, you do have some double threats. You, you do have reconstructionists with engineering degrees or engineers that, that do have reconstruction training, but very few and far in between. Right. Very few. And, and the ones that do have it normally are going to, you're going to, you're going to pay for that premium. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, you know, but it is what it is. There are some cases where you don't need both. But there are some cases where you do need both. And it comes down to what is it as from the attorney stance, just like you and I talk about establishing scopes for, for reconstructions. The same thing applies, I would think, to the attorney. What, what is it you're trying to answer? What questions are you trying to answer about how this event happened and how you know your client uh, suffered in whatever capacity they suffered? Um, what questions are you trying to get answered? And that should guide you as to what expert you, you, you've got. I, I think you need to, to, to determine where you want to go with this. Where do you want to go with this case? Because if you think it's, it's this plus this equals this, then you may need both experts, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, so it, it's, uh, it's equally important, I think, on our end to know what the scope is of what we're being asked to do, but that only comes from the attorney establishing the scope of what they want. Yeah. And so you know? I, I kind of want to, as we're getting towards our time limit a little bit, I wanted to dive into the training curriculums of both engineers and reconstructionists just to kind of illustrate this a little bit. And I've seen this play out in court and it's really interesting to actually watch it play out. If somebody oversteps their bounds and gets into the other arena, you can kind of go after them a little bit and shut them down on the qualifications that they have in order to um, come out here and do this. So let's take a look at reconstructionists here real quick. So I, I just grabbed one of our tables of contents here uh, that shows just some of the training that reconstructionists go through. So let's say that you have a reconstructionist that, that oversteps a little bit and talks about a product failure, right? Airbag should have deployed. I don't know why I didn't deploy seatbelt, you know, maybe stretched too far that metal tore that shouldn't have tore that door latch failed. That shouldn't have failed that, you know, something like that. So as you roll through the training of, of some of the stuff that we go through, so human factors and traffic collision reconstruction, 
that does that have anything to do with engineering not really not really uh let's see perception response time and distance that have anything to uh do with uh engineering specific engine no uh motorcyclist perception response really nothing dna and traffic crash reconstructions does that have anything to do with uh with engineering occupant kinematics nothing um newton's laws that does that balance both sides yeah um application of physics in traffic crash reconstruction that one does both yeah um lots of math (laughs) (laughs) that that one does apply to okay so i'll give you that so like derivation conservation of momentum uh things like that that does apply um measuring approach and departure angles anything to do with engineering no No. um reconstruction traffic collisions uh using energy that that does and energy is going to be an engineering thing um you know but you look at it and uh (laughs) traffic crash reports that anything to do with engineering no no um working uh working crash scenes does that have anything to do with uh, with traffic? No, nothing to do with engineering. So, like you can see, there is nothing in there that is teaching uh, tensile strength of uh, materials, uh, right. product product design. None of that. None of that is being taught in inside of reconstruction. Okay, its focus is really on, as you saw, really the collection and interpretation of evidence. That's, that's really what it focuses on. And so similarly, let's take a look at, in this case, this is actually Case Western Reserve's engineering school degree for mechanical engineers. This is their, this is their curriculum right off of their website. You can look it up. Okay. Now in the reconstruction training though, I mean, you know, we do talk about how things should perform or the expectation. You can find, you can find the failure. You can say, Hey, look, this wheel had a failure. Right. The wheel broke off, but the cause of the wheel breaking off outside the wheelhouse. Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. I just so, want to clarify that. Yeah, absolutely. So same thing. So for an engineer, their undergraduate degree, calculus for science and engineering. Yeah, that, that could have to do with reconstruction, just like our math on reconstruction. The same thing. Um, principles of chemistry. Does that have anything to do with reconstruction? Mm. No. Um, now this one does general physics. That does. Yes. Okay. Um, elementary computer programming. Anything to do with crash reconstruction? <laughs> no. Chemistry of materials. Anything to do with no. crash reconstruction? Statistics. No. Possibly. Uh, possibly. It could. You're right. Can apply. Um, introduction to circuits and instruments. No. Uh, thermodynamics, fluid dynamics, heat and mass transfer. No. Uh, professional communications for engineers. No. So then if the engineers go on to their bachelor's degree, we, we do get some more training. So let's see, man, uh, mechanical manufacturing techniques, nothing to do with recon. Dynamics, yeah, that, yeah, that yeah. one applies. Yep, I'll give you that. Um, computers and mechanical engineering, thermodynamics, fluid mechanics, design and manufacturing techniques, mechanical engineering measurements lab. See, very little. Now, they do have some mechanical engineering analysis, which, which can apply to recon. Um, electronic circuit signal strengths? No. No. <laughs> right? Heat transfer? <laughs> right? And, and so, don't get me wrong, but engineers have a ton of training. I mean, just an engineer that comes out with their bachelor's degree, 
has sat in their seat for 875 hours. That's a, that is a, that's a ton of training. However, as you can see all the way through your bachelor's degree, only 105 of those hours are anything even related to crash reconstruction. So you, you, then look at a reconstructionist and it's kind of the same thing. So a reconstructionist, because of the ongoing training that they receive as police officers and you keep going to training. So um, because of that, you actually end up with um, about 600 hours. If you get your ACTAR by the time you qualify to take that, you have almost 600 hours of crash specific training, but only about, 40 hours of training that kind of bleeds into the engineering field. So like I said, so as you can see, I mean, it's, it's not that, like I said, one's better than the other. It's just engineers are trained in what engineers do and reconstructionists are trained in what reconstructionists do. Right. That's all. Right. But they each have their, they each have their own specialties. So I, I don't know, Phil, final thoughts, man. Well, I think it's I think it's important going back to the kind of the title of this podcast. I think it's important to understand what lane of travel you're in. Are you in the engineering lane of travel or are you in the reconstructionist lane of travel? Taking yeah. out your anomalies of the double threats. Um, and I think that's important for the attorneys to understand what is it you need. Um, you know, do you need an engineering lane worth of uh analysis or you need a reconstructionist? Because if you need both then guess what? Unfortunately, you're, you're either going to have to locate the double threat, be prepared for that cost, um, or um, identify your scope for your reconstructionist lane of travel and identify your scope for the, uh, the engineer's lane of travel and, and, and go after it from both fronts. You know, Because yeah. ultimately, those two, if you take the, the, the end product of your reconstructionist and the end product of your, your engineer and put those two together, you should have a very well... Um, established case and foundation to, yeah. to move forward with. And, and I would almost say be weary of, and, and so our tire expert that we're going to bring on here, we, me and him had this conversation because he's an engineer and he said that he, he believes very strongly in this as well. And so I'm sure when he comes on, we're going to talk about this, that he, he's had some clients call and, and say, Hey, look, can you do a reconstruction? And he's like, no, huh, that's outside my wheelhouse. I'll do the tire stuff, but let's bring in a reconstructionist then to tie all that together. And so that's what you want from an expert. That's the perfect expert company to work with. Like if you call us and, and you start wanting to, to know about product failure, why the bags didn't pop, things like that. Right. I'm going right. to tell you, you need to also get an engineer in on this. Now I can make some recommendations of engineers I've worked with. You know, and and if you want us to run it all into one cost, we will. That's fine. I'll eat the cost on that and then just give you a final invoice or you can pay them separately, whatever you want to do. But that's what you should actually be looking for, I think, as an attorney is, is an expert company that's willing to admit that. I would be very, very weary of... Uh, an expert company, you know, if you call a reconstructionist that you're like, Hey, can you guys tell me why the seatbelt failed and this, that, and the other? And they're like, Oh yeah, absolutely. But they don't have an engineer engineers on staff. Right. I would be a little, and you're, a little hesitant. And, and you're going to have that company that's going to say, yeah, I've got years of experience where I've seen seatbelt failures and my experience has been this and my experience has been that. But at the end of the day, are they going to be able to quantify any of that with, education and, yeah. and background specific training in that type of mechanical failure. Yeah. Uh, 
do your homework folks, I guess is my best, my best recommendation. Yeah. But on that same front, I would also be hesitant of a company. If you call an engineering firm and you're like, Hey, look, I got this crash. You know, I think the bag should have popped. This guy's really injured, blah, blah, blah. Can you tell me what's wrong with it? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. You know, can you, can you do the reconstruction side of things? And they go, Oh yeah, we can do that too. One of our engineers has, has, you know, been to that school. Great. He's got 40 hours. <laughs> of, of reconstruction <laughs> training. That's it. Yeah. Um, but if they tell you, yeah, absolutely. You know, we work really well with a reconstruction company that specializes in that and we'll partner with them to get you your end product. Yeah. That's what you're looking for. There's times for when that. you're going to have, there's times when you're going to have a case that it, it only needs engineers. And there's going to be times where you're going to have cases that only need a reconstructionist, but there's going to be a lot of times where you're going to have cases that need a blended approach. Yep. Unfortunately, you know, if you're if you're wanting a good, strong case, which ultimately results in the uh, an appropriate um, uh, payout or, or or settlement for your client, then then you need to you need to take the right steps to make sure you're you're getting the right investigation on your end. And if that's a blended approach, unfortunately, that's what you have to do. Yeah, yeah, you know, it is what it is, and, and that's it. And I, I always use the analogy of if your car isn't running right and you have two mechanic shops that you can take it to and they, they both charge relatively the same. They're both equidistant to you the whole nine, but you've got the, the one mechanic never went to college a day in his life, but has been working under the hood of cars for 20 years, getting his hands dirty, taking engines apart, putting them together, you know, snapping bolts off, having to figure out how to deal with that and everything else. You have him on one side and you have another, the other mechanic graduated with his master's degree in automotive design and everything else, but has never even opened the hood of a car ever. Which one you take in your, your car to? Yeah. Right. It, it exactly. may need both. And you know, and that's what you would want to see is, you know, if you take it to the guy who's never opened the hood of the car, maybe he's like, you know what? Yeah, I can, I can diagnose the problem, but let's bring in a mechanic to get it fixed. Or on the flip side, you go over to the mechanic and he's like, man, you know what? I can fix it. But Dang on, I've never actually seen that problem. It might be a design issue. Let me call this guy over here and get him to, to tell me what's going on with the design. And then I'll, I'll, I'll do the repair. Isn't that the dream scenario? I would think so. Yeah. But, and you'll do that for a 35, $40,000 car, but you won't do that on a potential half million dollar injury collision case. <laughs> So, you know, use some perspective and don't get stuck focusing on one side or the other. Like I said, there are cases out there and Phil just said it too. There are cases out there where you may only need an engineer. It is past the scope of, of the wheelhouse of a reconstructionist. And there are some cases out there where, yep, you only need a reconstructionist. It's outside the scope of an engineer. And then there's going to be cases where you need both. Yep. So use the right tool for the right job. Yep. Right. I mean, that's why they don't just make one type of screwdriver. Like a whole host of tools because there's a right tool for every job. Well, everyone, that's going to wrap it up for the day. As always, jump over to Facebook and make sure you follow and join Crash Tech, the expert angle group. Also, if you want to leave us feedback, have an idea for a show or would like to be on a future show, head over to Crash Tech Expert angle.podbean.com and click the link on the right that says contact the show. The form will come up. Put anything that you want right in there. If you want more information on expert consulting services or training, visit us online at www.crashtechreconstruction.com. And finally, if you're a PI attorney, make sure you request to join the Crash Site Facebook group. Or if you're a defense attorney, make sure you request to join the Crash Site Defense 
Facebook group. Neither site contains any ads or spam. It's just a private community that brings experts from all different areas together with attorneys to collaborate or ask questions. So again, guys, thanks for tuning in. And remember, always leave your accident victims better off than you found them because at the end of the day, everything we're doing is for them.